Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Breaking Social. In this episode we're going to be discussing the benefits of live streams. So live streaming is something that's been around uh, predominantly for the last six years on social media platforms. Uh, Alex and I have actually worked through those previous six years and seen it from its uh, initial inception all the way through to where it's at now. And so what we're going to do is in the first part of this episode we're going to discuss our experiences with uh, live streams, how they've matured over time and what the benefits are. And in the second part of, of this episode we're actually going to discuss um, our future predictions of live streams, where we think they're going to go based on uh, our experience, but also what we've seen in other markets such as China, where they're obviously very, very advanced, a lot more advanced than we are currently with live streams and live shopping particularly. So as a, as a first point, um, I just want to talk about the history of live streams um, and where our experience with live streams started. Um, I know obviously we worked quite a lot in 2016 on live streams. For those who don't know, me and Alex were previously at a company called Social Chain. We grew uh, multiple brands into the millions of uh, followers on there, and that was the main goal of that, to produce media brands. And I remember in 2016, uh, when Facebook released their live streaming software and capabilities on the platform, we immediately jumped on that to test it to see what would happen, because obviously trying to gain as much organic reach was one of the main things we tried to do uh, on a regular basis. And live streams seem to be rewarded in you know multiple orders of magnitude more than any other f- content format that was on there. So going back there, can you remember what was the first live stream that you were involved with during that stage in 2016? One of the first that we will have done. When we were building communities at the time, obviously our main goal is to get as much reach and engagement as possible, like you said. And YouTube had recently come out with YouTube Live and Facebook must have been working on a similar live platform must have they were and i think needed a way to attack youtube lives youtube's live offering and therefore encouraged users to use facebook live by offering them more reach than they could usually get by using their live format so that to us was like offering free reach up on a plate providing that you do something through facebook live At the time, we didn't really have any knowledge of what made a good live. We just knew as long as we produce something that people are going to engage with that is run through the live platform, we're going to get more reach than we usually would and then more eyes on the page. So it was actually me and Mikey Martin came up with... It was actually mainly Mikey's idea, uh, to give him credit, just in case he's listening. And um, he came up with this idea that there should be like a mystery around something. And if you guessed and the idea of the live in the comments, you would win uh, something. So the, the live was literally a four hour stream, maximizing the amount of time that Facebook allows you to be live of a camera pointed at a treasure chest in front of like in, in a kind of rustic setting mm. with fireplace in the background, if you can imagine this. And the idea was if you can guess what's in the treasure chest you win what's inside and that was it and it was just nothing happened in the live the only motion in in the stream was the fire and it went like viral effectively mm. in the in the sense that it went way beyond the page's existing audience at the time mm. and do you remember what, what it, it got actually thousands achieved? of comments no i don't remember what it was actually I, I remember one of the other live streams that we did and what that did but that was the first right. that was the first stream that we did and the first time that we were like wow there is mm. th- there is a lot of additional reach available yeah. if you push something live yeah because the the reach that you that you would get on those live streams early on was 
it got to a point where it was like, well, why would we do any other content? Because the reward that you were receiving from it was honestly a little bit ridiculous. I remember the first stream that I uh, was working on was for Sporth. And I think this may have, been, may have been just before the one that you and Mike had produced because our the, the first one that I worked on was a lot less interactive like you built in interactions cause a, a re like as we know now we can talk about this later but as we know now interactions a big part of live streams um the first live stream that i produced was literally just a countdown timer i think it was time since arsenal had won the fa cup and it had been like a stupid amount of years months weeks and days and it just count counted up and counted up and it got uh, tens of thousands of shares almost immediately. And I remember we did that just after we'd launched Sporf on Facebook. So it was a new Facebook page. And I think it must have had between forty and 50,000 likes at the time. And they were gaining two or 3,000 a week. I remember putting that stream live and they gained 80,000 new likes in that week alone. Um, and very quickly, it was a, a case of like, whatever you did there seemed to work really well. So we're going to keep doing that. And so we kept finding new pieces of content like, how long since this player has scored? How long since this team have actually won a game? And it was, it's not something we'd ever pitch now because there is no, it, from what we know from live streams now, it just wouldn't work. But at the time, it was being rewarded tenfold. And I think that was, yeah, that was the first interaction that, that I had as well. The next thing I want to talk about is the next evolution where, you know, we had that early experience that I had on Sporf. You had that first experience you had on student problems with the treasure chest uh, live stream. I think as we started to do more and more, we learned more and more about what a good live stream requires which i think the first ones was interactivity like how do you get your audience to do something that will have an impact on the stream that they can see like almost like a mm. if i push this way this thing pops out the other side like mm -hmm. how do i how does how do you give your entire audience a way to have an impact on the stream and the one of the best examples that i'd seen was the one that you and mike had produced on student problems that ended up I think it got over a million share. Is that right? A million share? Or was it a million comments? I know that it got something over, it was like over 4.5 million views maybe in the four hours that it was live. Right. And then over a million engagements in right. that time as well. It was some some ratio like that. I think it was over a million engagements and then multiple millions of views. But right. that went crazy. So the, the one that you're talking about is when, well, at least I think it's this one, but it was when Trump was running to be president. Right. So pre- Trump presidency and he was a, he was his main competitor was obviously Hillary Clinton and there was a lot of noise on the internet around the fact that there was a lot of dissatisfaction with both of these candidates mm. so not that we were thinking like politically or anything about this but we just thought who would be a better candidate or like who would mm. people actually vote for if there was a random third candidate mm. the page student problems was all about like student life and there was like several recurring memes and ideas on the things and one of them would be like chicken nuggets <laughs> and, and like fast food and stuff so we just we just thought what if we just photoshop a chicken nugget in a suit <laughs> and then have him stand alongside hillary and trump and let the people decide <laughs> who should be the next president of the US. And just to add, sorry, I know that sounds like absolutely absurd, but the the actual main thing that you included in the stream was that, yes, you lined each candidate up. So Hillary, Trump, and Mr. Nugget. I can't remember. Yeah, it was just Chicken Nugget. Chicken yeah. Nugget. Um, but it was the first time we'd used interactions to count towards some kind of currency, as in they assigned a like to one of the candidates, a heart to another, and another emoji to one of the third candidate. And so people were using those then 
as voting mechanisms where they would vote for the candidate wouldn't mm. they, using those. Using yeah, so yeah, yeah. We were giving the users a way to have some effect or see the effect they were having on the video so they could see their vote count towards an increase of a of a little voting bar that would get longer and longer according to the number of votes mm. that each each candidate received. And we just made it as a funny meme and it just blew up. As soon as we posted it, it went properly viral to the point where when my sister's boyfriend, who's from New York, came over to visit, he was like, oh yeah, I saw that. And that's not usually that interesting in the context of a normal meme mm. because if a meme that if you get a good meme, it does travel around relatively quickly. Yeah, but yeah. bear in mind that this is just being pushed by Facebook within that four-hour window that mm. it's live. So it went viral in such a short space of time, which was what was so interesting about that. And then it got so many engagements that it was definitely one of the pieces that contributed towards uh, Facebook actually banning the use of emojis as a voting mechanic. Yeah, yep. Because it, it was probably messing up their sentiment analysis yep. on their side where we were saying, do love heart eyes if it's this or do laughing face if it's that. They must have been measuring post sentiment to make better content or feed you the right stuff. And I think people, after they discovered that this voting mechanic was was working, they must have just thought, we need to stop this yeah, or, or yeah, throttle yeah. content that is encouraging this because mm. it's skewing our, our data. Mm. But yeah, it was a good time. So that was, I would say, the first, what would you say, between the first three and six months of our experience with live streams, uh, especially on those media brands that we were growing, a lot of it was, how do we make the most engaging live streams? And over time, we were learning about different mechanics that we could include in a live stream to make it even more engaging for a user. And we did that for a few months. And then I remember the first time we'd operated a live stream for a client. And so we'd over this time, we'd gained a lot of knowledge around there's got to be something at stake for the user, as in, is there an incentive to watch in or is there a way that they can interact with the stream in real time so that if their input can have a direct output? So we'd we'd produced an idea. Um, actually, Tim uh, Will Hyde that we used to work with, I remember, produced this idea. And I personally was actually the one operating it, but um, produced this idea of, you know, what is, a, what is a common thing that most people enjoy and will do for fun, but how do we then incorporate that into a live, um, live format and allow people to be rewarded in real time? And one of the obvious answers, um, well, I say obvious, it wasn't too obvious at the time, but was a, a quiz. One of the easiest things in the world that everyone understands how they work, um, it was a live quiz. And the thing that was different was we'd found a way, and it was much more difficult at the time than it is now, but we found a way to be able to make it a really fast-paced live stream where we could also pick real winners in real time and display them on screen in real time. And why that's such a, a tall order is the time window that we'd allocated ourselves to do that. So just so you, you understand the mechanic, we would launch an hour live stream and... For the entire hour, there would be 60 questions available to be answered by the audience. It would be a relatively straightforward question. And so the majority of people would answer correctly. And then we'd choose at random one of the correct answers and they would win. But what that means is that we've got 60 seconds to be able to display that question, allow people time to answer, choose a winner, get their photo and name, which was the tough bit, display, like pull that, display that on screen in real time within that 60 second window and then quickly move on to the next question whilst also tracking who that person was like what was their um profile and you know documenting that information so we can actually contact them after the fact so they can get the prize that's the long and short of it we'd found a way to do this and i remember uh, this was essentially the start of like 
for the agency, like the golden era of live streaming for clients, because I remember after three months of doing these for clients, there was a leaderboard on Tubular for like the top 10 most engaging live streams in the UK. And Social Chain, oh, yeah. with, the, with, the, with the work that we'd done, were, were occupying the top nine spaces, or at least nine of the top 10 spaces, um, most engaged live streams. And so I remember this this specific one, I believe it was for Boohoo, and we'd created that mechanic and operated it for the full hour. And I actually was so engrossed in the operation of the live stream that I didn't actually clock the numbers until after the fact, um, because I was like, you'll remember, sweating profusely because it was so yeah, stressful, it was but so, it was insane. It was a spectacle to watch. Yeah. It was like Joe sweating <laughs> at, at a keyboard, locked in, surrounded by like several crushed cans of Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. And you were just like in the zone and there was like people <laughs> crowded around the back of you. Yeah, it was literally like that scene from the social network, you know, where they're at the hackathon. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was like, <laughs> if you imagine that. That's what yeah. running that live stream looked like. And on the other end, there's just a guy going like, what is the capital of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally like, typing it in. And yeah. then there's me on the other side with like three screens, multiple Red Bull, finished Red Bull cans going quick. Yeah, yeah, so funny. And uh, yeah, that was intense. But uh, I remember looking at the numbers afterwards and I believe it achieved over 300,000 comments within that hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was. was wild. There's not many formats that would be able to achieve that today. But that was the beginning of a format that was used and, and changed around slightly, but time and time again, I think for a good six to nine months, um, that idea of question and answer, you know, mass recall from an audience in a, in a certain time interval was a format that we used. And again, still used to this day, but it's, it's since evolved. From the perspective of an audience member that might be listening to this or someone that's watching it, you mentioned that we did that for Boohoo. What, what is the value of that for them as a mm. brand? If I was listening to this and I was a brand owner, I was like, great, we did a quiz and it got loads of comments. Like, what is the, what's the value of that to the so at that time, and even even in more recent times, the value is purely in engagement and relationship to the brand. I want to discuss, like my next point to move on to was how we took uh, something that was purely an engagement-focused format and made it into something that had direct ROI and commercial value. But at the time, it was purely an engagement um point of view there were things that we did to make sure it was in its most viable format such as rewarding people for sharing the stream so that we could attract new people to like the page so that in future there was more organic reach for the client uh, with any posts that were going out both engagement posts and commercial posts but at the time it was primarily a let's try and maximize engagement um, and make a really fun event for your audience that they'll remember i remember for a while in 2019 they were still done but it may have di it died down a little bit and i think that's largely because no one had seemed to crack how to commercialize them properly. And so they, it was a very, you know, the things that go into a live production is, is quite a task. So the, the cost of a live stream isn't particularly low. And considering it doesn't have a direct commercial gain, it's oftentimes hard to justify. Um, and so we saw a, a somewhat of a plateau in, in the uptake in live streams, I'd say, at 2019, definitely. Obviously now, um, you know, founded Campfire and operating this business, and we had operated... Some very challenging live streams, uh, especially last year. One great example being a four-hour askathon that we'd created for the Inky List, um, whereby the Inky List operated, a, uh, well, we operated on behalf of Inky List, a YouTube live stream where they would bring on 
famous uh, skinfluencers to come on and uh, answer questions from the Inculist audience. Because of bringing in certain influencers, they would bring their audience with them. And so, you know, four hours is a very, very long time for a live stream. It's not something we typically recommend, but when it's as big an event as an event as the Askathon was, it made sense. Um, but we had managed to achieve, you know, a thousand concurrent viewers throughout that entire event. We did also include some gamification elements where it was like that quiz element of question and answer and you can win a prize. And that audience asked, hundred. Oh, I think it was over 127,000 questions in that time. Now, what was interesting for for that stream specifically was was the commercial output from that stream. We had a call with Colette, who's the CEO and co-founder of the Inky List, and she'd told us that that stream had caused the best D2C sales day that they had achieved ever. The only difference was, was that in that stream, it wasn't about here's a prize, answer a question, you know, if you get it right and you're chosen, you get you get something back. Like the prize may or may not even be related to the brand. In this stream specifically, people were asking questions about something that they wanted solving that the brand actually solved. And so they were able to talk about their products and how they can be used as a solution. When they were bringing influencers in and their audience were coming in, that's more people who are now asking more questions about skincare that the Inculus product is there as a solution for. And in small breaks as well, in between we had in between us having an influencer on and a quiz section, Colette and the Inky team were answering questions and also having these like very small 30-second commercial moments where they would be like, this is the perfect product I would use for it. It's actually only this price right now. We've got, you know, having small sales moments that result in, in a great um, sales day. So we could see that from that one, one example, must say quite a challenging and ambitious example that went really well, but we could see that there was now an opportunity for commercial live streams to work. People were seeing content in real time and making purchase decisions in real time from that content. And that's where we start to think of different ways where we could have a commercial impact from live streams. I think one of the best, uh, one of the better examples that we can talk about is um, is the work that we did on Black Friday um, with I Saw It First. So I don't know if, would you be able to explain the mechanic that we used on that day across the multiple live streams that we did and why why we decided to do that? What was the reasoning for the mechanic that we used given the output that we were going after? Yeah, yeah. So this is obviously uh, very much an evolution from President Chicken Nugget. <laughs> but the we started to think about, at this point, TikTok Live's come out and uh, I saw we're already producing weekly lives with uh, the host, Lottie, in which, and I saw it first, they're a fast fashion brand if you haven't heard of them. But they were effectively modelling some of their clothes each week. They would bring an influencer on and Lottie would describe what the material was like, what the fit was like. Uh, she would answer questions live to their audience, which is a really interesting thing that you can you can do on TikTok where you can, people can ask questions of, you know, I'm a size X, would mm. this suit me? Would this look good on someone with X colour hair or whatever? And she can reply live to those people. And it's really interesting. And it gives Isaura a really good opportunity to display their uh, clothing in a way that is authentic to the platform, authentic to the viewer, and it's in a natural light. That is a trend that we're seeing as well as people are looking more for what does this look like in real life, yeah. not on a model in, a, in an amazing yeah. studio. So really good format. And they're definitely one of the first people that have, that have started uh, using TikTok Live and Instagram Live as well. The one thing that we noticed with TikTok Live was that you just get brought randomly into a spot in a stream and you need to find a way to quickly get people to stick around if you want to get them to purchase something. So rather than 
go into ISO, like how can we re-engineer the way that you're currently streaming? We thought, how can we augment your stream with something that is going to incentivize people to stay, but also further incentivize people to purchase products? So we designed a mechanic that involved having thousands of unique codes that would give you a random discount from anywhere between 60 to 95% off Mm -hmm. the clothing. There was very few 95% codes, but obviously that was like a jackpot if if you got one of these codes. The only way you could find out what this code was worth was by going to site and trying it. So on screen, you would have Lottie, the influencer. She would be answering your mm. questions live, talking you through the different products. And that was, uh, that was the top half of the screen, wasn't and it? That's so the, we split yeah. the screen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're using the entire uh, yeah. screen real estate that is available on, on TikTok or or on Instagram Live. And we were streaming to both at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that was the other interesting thing. Uh, so maximizing audience overlap uh, on the platforms as well. And these codes would refresh. At the bottom half of the screen is, is multiple codes. And these would refresh every 15 seconds. So, And, and once they were gone, they were gone. Yeah. So if you wanted to try a code and find a code, you had to stay on the stream, make sure that you were looking for all of these different codes. You were watching for products that you liked. You were going to site to test out some of these uh, codes. But when we spoke to ISOR and got the reports, they, they reported significantly higher revenue from that stream in particular than they'd ever seen in any previous live. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly in part that we were forcing people to think about using these codes, about going to site, about adding products to basket in for a chance to effectively win. And no matter what code you picked, you kind of won because mm-hmm. it's still yeah. 60% off. At the same time, I saw her running this, this deal anyway because it's Black Friday, so they win as well. And it was just, it was a really effective way of commercializing the live streams and getting people to interact and go to site. One, one more thing I will add that's less so about the actual stream itself, but something that you might want to know to take away just in case you want to use it in future, is how we'd essentially leveraged uh, platform mechanics on Instagram to make the most of, of that platform. So obviously on, on Black Friday, it's essentially, it can be a little bit of a shouting match and that's down to typically what you know what budgets you have available um, to try and shout louder than your competitors. One of the ways that we always try and overcome that is through uh, leveraging platform mechanics. So what are the tricks that you can, you can use to beat larger budgets? One of the things that we noticed was that on Instagram stories, the things that appear at the top, they go in order of the people that you engage with most, but the things that will always appear first, regardless of who you engage with, is live streams, uh, providing you obviously follow that account. And so we knew that if we were, like hosted those live streams on, on the brand channel, that they would get seen first in any of their followers' lineup of stories. Second to that, we would also host on, if we, we also got influencers to host some of the streams as well that we operated and would host a stream on their channel directing them over to ISIL and vice versa so that their Instagram story was seen first in the in the story feed as well. So we were getting the attention immediately of the people that we wanted to head to that stream. That's just something on top that we, that we leveraged if you want to use that. But I think the main takeaway from that is we got the evidence that we needed to see that when the content is right, people are still, and even more so with in this example, are seeing content they want to consume, able to ask product-focused and product-centric questions and get answered in real time, and then using that information to make purchase decisions in real time. It's a very, very fast-paced but almost like isolated situation where as soon as someone's in that live stream, the mindset changes. Where they may have previously been in a content consumption mindset and mode of scrolling through TikTok, 
once they're in that environment, all of a sudden they become really engrossed in the in in what the product is being able to ask questions and the ability to then go and purchase straight away it's like a it's a weird change mm. that happens but we'd got the evidence we, we needed to be able to see that that was definitely something that was viable and and probably well from what we're seeing where the market's going with live shopping um that tiktok are obviously now trying to capitalize on as well as other other platforms so before we wrap on part one just a quick summary on why why would you do a live what is the point of doing a live and i think it's either if something is at stake for people watching a live so for example you can imagine a football game being live if it was pre-recorded but it was all streamed at the same time and everyone knew the outcome at the same time then there is a unified stake in viewing that live at a specific time knowing that you're going to find out an answer or a score or whatever at a specific time so that's a reason for something to be live or if you need to have a format where you want to answer someone's questions live on a stream particularly useful in things like commerce because people can you have the opportunity to overcome someone's barrier to purchase live like right there and then someone might ask a question about a dress will it fit my size and you can answer it right there and then and it they'll become a, a customer mm. so there are, i think two key reasons why you would want to do something live definitely and to add to that i think there's something that is special about typing a comment into a live stream and the host reading out your question and calling out your name and saying uh, that's a great question this is the answer i think having that call and response uh, with a host and with your audience member is something that is absolutely unique to a live format and does add another layer of engagement to your content and just on that point as to why you'd want to do something live one of the things that we always keep in mind when we're producing concepts for live streams is could this be a piece of content that could just be published and if it is probably don't make it live that brings us to a nice close for part one of this episode um in part two we're actually going to be discussing um what we've seen in china for live streaming obviously it's quite far further ahead than than we are and um, but we are starting to see some patterns that they saw over there start to happen here so we're going to talk about what's starting to happen over here what our predictions are for live streams and live shopping uh, in western markets and following on from that we're also going to talk about some do's and don'ts some takeaways that you can take from our experiences with producing live streams and what things you should be wary of as uh, live shopping and live streams start to take more of a hold over in western markets that's it for this part i will see you in part two uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode